Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael and Jackie Russo. Today's guest, you are going to, I think, be awed and inspired and educated uh, by Mila Grigg. She wrote Forged by Fire, which is an incredible book um, about how to develop an unstoppable personal brand. As you'll hear, Michael is a super big fan of her cover photo. Um, But her story, uh, what she has to talk about, uh, the trials and tribulations she's been through, and how she helps people build their personal brands, all great lessons. Michael, don't you think this is a fun conversation? It absolutely was. And yes, the the cover was amazing because as I was reading it and talking to her about it, um, I was like, okay, this is legit, right? And it's like a a bestseller. I mean, it's she's like got a real book. This isn't like a pamphlet, you know, self-help book. This is like a legitimate real deal kind of book. Somehow inferring that other people, our guests, us have not real books. I'm confused by your pamphlet comment. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, we did write a book and it, I, I'm very proud of that book, but okay. it could have been a little, I was, I, I, when we did that, I envisioned like a hardbound edition, you know, then you got to write really more pages, classy. pal. I know, but we were on, we were on timeline. Uh, 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 right. More pages. Do you remember that we've written a second book two years ago that you still haven't finished yet? Right. I thought about that the other day. I know you get back to that. Yes, please. Tomorrow. Yeah. Why don't you just do it tomorrow? Yeah. the other long list of things you're going to do tomorrow. God. <laughs> and so without further ado, joining us today, Mila Grigg. Mila, thanks so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Well, we really appreciate it. I feel like we're going to go in about 15 different directions with this conversation, just based on our, our pre-chat. Uh, but I really do want to start with the book. I am enamored of authors. I love to read. Uh, I think that anytime somebody can be disciplined enough to take their thoughts and put it down into a guide, uh, it deserves recognition. So let's start there with your life as an author. Tell us about the book and kind of how it all came to be. Wait, before we even get there, let, let's talk about the cover, the cover. Okay. Have you seen the cover? I've seen the cover. I mean, that is an awesome book cover. It looks like, I mean. It's a power pose. I'll say that. Right? Yeah. You got to get the book just to see the cover. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> badass. Oh, man. Thank you. I was trying to prove to my kids that I'm still cool because at my age, it's hard to do that. So I wanted to be cool. We'll see how it goes. Thank God for good lighting and Photoshop. That's all I have to say there. Absolutely. So the book is Forged by Fire because anybody listening is currently going to Amazon looking for this cover. They need to see it. Um, And it's all about how to develop an unstoppable personal brand. So unless Michael wants to talk some more about the cover photo, talk to us about the creation of the book, the evolution and kind of the main points. Awesome. Yeah. You know, I've been doing branding for about 22 years and just one thing after another just kept growing. I wish I could look back and go, I was a brilliant genius, but I wasn't. I just fell into it. And, you know, sometimes you fall over your own feet to get to where you're going. And that's certainly my story. Um, building personal brands for people and doing corporate keynotes and speaking and talking about it. Um, everybody, you know, after every session, someone, whether there's one person or a hundred would say, hey, do you have a follow-up guide? And for years I'd say, no, but I think I'll write a book. And eventually I just kind of did it. I also walked through my own personal trial um, in 2009 and it was hard. And that was the time where really uh, looking back on my life, that was where my personal brand was forged. 
um, and built and, you know, coming out of just the hardest time ever when, you know, the world looks at a situation you're going through and says, um, I don't think you're going to make it right. And you do make it and you completely see who you are and you rely on your brand and your values um, to really get you through that and walk, walk, you know, that next best step every single day. So the book, the first Forged by Fire part is a little bit about my story. I'm not a big fan of people speaking from opinion, and I wanted everyone to know who was reading. I not only teach it, but I've lived it fully. Um, then I'm not important. Who the heck am I? So I quickly move into, you know, what is a personal brand? How do you build it? Uh, the biggest piece of the book that I wanted to get across was I'm not the expert in every single one of these pieces. Uh there are people who are just leadership or just emotional intelligence and know the science behind it and the brain and all of those pieces. I wanted them to be in one book. And then if someone is reading, what is a brand? And then what are the you know core pieces to creating a personal brand? And then where do you go after the book? Right now, I tell people, look, if you want a leadership role, role model, read a Maxwell. If you need a social media coach, read a Vaynerchuk or a Neil Patel. I'm giving people the tools in the book as well as walking them through, you know, how to build. Um, so they know that after this, pick the thing that you're not good at and then find out because you really do need all of the pieces of a brand to work together to a degree. Mm -hmm. You can have great image, but have no emotional intelligence and you can have high EI, but be you can have high EI and still be a poor communicator, right? So how do you have all these pieces work together so you don't get stopped along the way? I don't, I hate when people miss opportunity especially smart people who deserve it. Um, and that was really the impetus. I don't want anyone to miss the opportunity. Right. No, and, and I love that. I was at dinner with some friends from college last night and we were talking about personal branding uh, from a very personal standpoint. A, a, a friend of ours who's in business and growing their business. And so I made the statement and I want you to check me if I'm wrong, that everybody out there who is a leader in this space has a positive viewpoint. People who have negative viewpoints I've, I've yet to find one person um, who is also then has a strong personal brand. Right. And so we were talking about the, how that shift happens. And I was sharing a story that um, our youngest Molly was telling me the other day in her psychology class about internal locus and external locus and that the people, and I was like, locusts like the swarm of insects. She goes, no locusts like focus. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and the people with internal locus think they control what happens, that their choices lead to reactions. And people with external locus think that everything around them is in control and they are just victims of their circumstances. And I said, I never heard the phrase, took a couple of psychology classes, missed that phrase somehow, but love where we're going with this. And she said that she had to write a paper and um, she chose uh, this class that she was taking calculus and focused on how hard the class was because she had a very external locus view. She didn't take calculus in high school. She doesn't have a math uh, disposition. Her parents are not super smart in the maths. So it's not her fault that she's not good at calculus. And then she had to flip it and take an internal locus view. And she said, I have resources. I can go to the school to get help. Um, my parents will pay for tutoring. I could study harder. I could go to Khan Academy. I could do all these things and then make a better grade. And so I am technically in control. And I was like, I've never loved a kid as much as I do in this exact moment. So how much of that positive attitude and internal locus do you think really drives personal branding or is it just kind of right place, right time? 
Yeah, I mean, you really do now, especially with social media, you have to create your own opportunity and share your own story and understand what your values are so that you're consistent regardless of where you show up. So knowing who you are um, and your branding and your core values helping you to be your best on your worst day, um, you have to create the opportunity and have that. And I mean, I love that internal locus. I love it. I'll, now I'm going to look it up and study it. I, I think this is I did fantastic. The same thing. Um, the thing about it is, think about brand is you you have to create it. So many people, especially when they're younger, will say, um, I'll start working on my brand once I graduate from college. And that's, your brand is who you are. It's not something you create, which I think a lot of people, it's a complete misconception. The worst piece about it is you don't own it. So if we get off this podcast and you guys are like, worst interview ever, like I, I die, but you own my brand. Like you can tell people it's a terrible interview. And I would be like, darn it. And I hope that the foundation that I've set for the last 15 years, somebody would come along and go, geez, she must have just been having a bad day because typically it's pretty darn good. Um, but people who don't build a brand and don't have anyone speaking for them, you know, will go, yeah, well, that's probably terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. She's horrible. So that's, <laughs> you don't own your brand, but you certainly have to take control of it, be intentional about it. And especially now on social media, you have to share it, which is really one of the hardest parts. But yeah, it's all about, that internal locus. I love it. I'm stealing it, giving you the credit. It's all yours. I'm stealing it. We talk a lot about that here. I love that we have, um, we've been really fortunate the last couple people that we've talked with, everybody has some similar lingo and they say it differently, but they all kind of come from the same source, you know, um, which usually I, I, all of a sudden I, tr I trust you so much more. I think, you know, like there's legitimacy. Okay. Yeah. We're on the same page with that. Um, and not, not that you need my validation or anything, but, but I love that the language is the same. We talk about, you know, the consumer owns yeah. the brand and that we can't control what people think and what we can help, help motivate them. And we can help motivate those decisions by, by controlling what we do. Right. Um, and then the second thought is everything that Jackie just said, I'm like, I must have no personal branding at all because every, I am the complete opposite of her. And the story she told about our daughter, I'm like, I don't even know that child. Um, if she didn't have my eyes, I wouldn't think that she was mine. So I'm I'm a little, little torn by this whole situation right now. So I'm, I'm not going to talk a lot because um, this is, this is kind of Jackie's wheelhouse. She has your Love eyes. She like has it. your disposition. It, she has your DNA. You, yeah, she comes by you naturally. There's no okay. um, outside service provider, milkman, mailman involved in that at all. You were there. It's all good. For sure. He was there. For That's sure. I love it. Um, but it, it really, you know, you talk about controlling it. To me, it comes down to authenticity. It's about putting out what is authentically real. I can fake being in control. I can fake um, being positive. I can fake thinking that I sound smart because I'm pulling some cool quotes from Marty Neumeyer or Gary Vee. But at the end of the day, if I don't legitimately come from a place of experience and knowledge and, um, and true growth and learning, that fake is going to be seen through pretty quickly. So how do you guide and advise people to find who they are authentically and then share that authentically? Yeah, you know, so I laid the book out in a way where every chapter was the building block. And I felt like after the last 20 years, that's the order to go in. And the worst part about it is it starts with the chapter that most people don't want to start. And I often, I thought a few times like, gosh, I should start with image. Everyone wants to talk about that, but nobody wants to talk about chapter one, which is core values. Um, so you really have to start there. And we know that great businesses have great core values, but more than having them, their employees know what they are. They exude them in every interaction. 
Um, Chick-fil-A used to say Southwest. We'll see if they make a great comeback. I imagine they eventually will. Um, but you know, every great business has great core values because the people know what they are versus a business that has them written on a wall and they're just kind of dead. Same thing for a personal brand. You have to have those three to five keywords that define you in every interaction. And I can tell you when I was walking through my fire um, and the trial, there are days I didn't want to get out of bed and go to work, but I had to, and I had to create income and I had to create a business and I had to get past what was going on. And remembering who you are on your worst day helps you move forward. So those three to five keywords are not only who you are and why you do what you do, but they are how you market yourself. For instance, if I want everybody to know I'm a hard worker, which I am, I can't just walk in and go, I work hard. I have a low <laughs> tolerance for you know people who are lazy, um, but I can share a story. And so teaching people how to share those stories is another huge part of this. Um, every word that you have, so if you have three core values, whatever they are, you can look at the book or you can Google brand values. You're going to come up with tons of images that have lists of adjectives and to choose three to five that represent you is harder than you think. And most people don't want to start there, but that's it. You can go to a great leadership course. You can have a great communication course like this. They should stand, walk, talk, breathe, tone, et cetera. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you don't know what your brand is, you're just speaking for an image that may not be you. So core values are going to go through everything that you do. And the piece of sharing is the storytelling. You must be able to share a story um, and know that every story should represent a core value. So if I want people to know I have a low tolerance for complaining, I'll say, hey, my grandfather, I'm my heritage is Serbian. If you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, that's my family. That's why I need <laughs> counseling. It's fine. Um, but you, my grandfather, tall guy, big 6'6", fought the Nazis in World War II. He would say to me, I don't know why you're complaining. A bad day is running up a hill in the snow without shoes on while Nazis are shooting at you. And until that happens, you are fine. Um, that's the story, right? So he's sharing the story, creating that connection. Most people aren't doing that. And then more so, most people aren't doing that on social media and even in LinkedIn, which is so important. I can go on about that for hours and I won't, I'll spare you, but... That's the piece. Know who you are, know the values, and then create the stories to share so that your boss doesn't know that you're great at something. Um, most people think that your bosses, managers, and customers, consumers, and clients are oracles. They think that they already know. They don't know. We are so busy. You have to tell the story. You have to build a brand, and you have to do it consistently. And I'll say, not only do they not know, but they don't remember. We have too much clutter, right? I'm a media buyer in the past. And so when I think about the five, six, seven, eight thousand messages a day, we're all inundated with, if it doesn't really resonate with me, it's not getting through my filter. It's not cutting through that clutter. And so you've got to put it out there over and over and over again to the point where you're like, oh my God, I can't say it again because I've said it so many times people are sick of it. That's when they hear it for the first time. Totally. I could post about an event that's going on and I've posted a hundred times and someone will say, oh, I just saw the post. Right, You're going right, on right. And that's where most people go wrong too. They don't share the story enough and they don't share it in eight different ways. You can tell right. the same story in different ways. Right. Um, and most companies are getting it wrong um, as much as humans are as business mm -hmm. people, because they're going, well, you can't post three times a day on social. Well, sure you can. You have 8,000 different, different demographics. You've got to post to each one. Come on. Right. So that's the that's the rub. You know, how do you do it? Are you afraid to do it? Um, and then what will people think? My God, that's the biggest thing. I'm so fearful of what people will really think if they really know me and I get it. Uh, but at some point, like I want my 90 year old self to thank me today. I don't want a regret. I'm just going to share it 
if you like it, great. And if you don't like it, well, there it is. Absolutely. You know, when you talk about a story, I think that's important because I think people tend to kind of miss that step. And, and I always think of it is bad storytelling or bad copywriting, bad messaging is to say, um, this is who I am. This is what I do. You should buy my stuff. That's, there's no space in that for the audience. And so good storytelling is this is who you are. This is a problem you have. This is what's going to happen if you can solve that problem, how much better the world's going to be. This is the bad thing that's going to happen if you can't solve that problem. Oh, by the way, here's something that can help. Um, And I I think too many people are like, when asked, what do you do? They think they have to go with the rote, you know, I've worked at this company for so many years. This is my title. No one cares about that stuff. Tell me a story that I care about. Therefore, that story has to be about me. Spot on. Yeah. And try to bond in that story, you know, do the research and share a story that, you know, bonds and use other people's stories. And my husband right. went to Chapel Hill. I often use that. Um, I didn't go there. I would say state number one party school in the nation at the time. I'm winning big time over here. Um, <laughs> husband went to Chapel Hill. I use that all the time, especially if somebody lives in that area, et cetera. I mean, like borrow stories from other people so that you can, you know, create that bond. But yes, I often will say to clients, um, who are especially who are networking if they're out of a position, I'll say, don't tell anybody what you do. Just bond. You can always follow up with a card later, a written card, mind you, later. Um, those still exist. But, you know, don't do not do anything. Listen, share a story if you can. Follow up later. You can share later. You can link in. They're going to see your title. Who cares? Um, so you're spot on. Yeah, and you have to bond and give them something to hold on to, which is why companies are now building personal brands so that more consumers can relate to more people and more stories. Um, and build their brand. If you want more brand loyalty, the stats are like 560% more brand loyalty. If you build the personal brands of your people and they share their stories, in particular on LinkedIn, it gives people more to hold on to versus just a stinky ad that is annoying, right? So <laughs> it all of this is working together for the for the better good of people's business and lives. Right. How does that work though? When, whenever you're talking about, I mean, that, that brought up like five questions in that statement. Like, like the first one is, how do you separate or define between yourself and what you do? You know, I mean, your personal. When you say personal brand, I think people get confused with that, and I, I do all the time. My personal life versus my career. You know, and where is that line at? You know, especially with the way people share these days with social media and, and everything's kind of open book and people are pouring their hearts out every five minutes. It's like, you know, where does that line at? Yeah, it's a great question. Before it was personal and professional brand. You, heard, you used to hear that more more often than personal brand. Um, and there are, it's a great story. I don't know if you guys watch Million Dollar, Dollar Listing New York. It's like my, oh, yeah. it's my one real time, uh, what do they call it? Vice, Cheat. I guess. I'm guilty, guilty pleasure. Million Dollar. Yes, thank you. And um, Frederick Eklund, uh, years ago on that show, one realtor in New York, um, he actually, I guess, had a conversation with the company he was with and said, I want one Facebook and I want one account for inside. I want one because I'm both. I'm not going to separate personal from professional. I'm just going to be very clear about what I'm posting and when and have a reason for it and not be too much of either because both of those things build my brand. And people are relating to me on different levels. Just professional is very boring. So it's like it's like the idea with LinkedIn. You don't separate the two. You don't overshare, but you know your audience. So if I know I'm going after a bank that's really kind of old school, I will start posting more things that relate to the story they need to hear. It's wild, and it works every mm-hmm. time. 
because they're looking and they're going, oh, okay, that, but it's authentically a part of me. I just know which part of me I'm going to share at what time, for what reason, with who I'm sharing it with. And it always has great intention. I don't always tell people I have four stepkids and two kids. I don't always tell people I speak Serbian. I don't, I don't share every piece of me all of the time. I'm just really intentional with when, where, how. Um, and it doesn't make it inauthentic. It's really me. I just know when I'm sharing it that I have a purpose in it versus just, bleh. you know, everyone is oversharing on social. Um, and that's a bad thing. So even on LinkedIn, my, I tell clients now post one personal thing a month on LinkedIn, wrap it up into uh, a professional way. Um, right. Entrepreneurs need a break every once in a while. We often don't take those. I'm going to post a picture um, with my kids on vacation. I'm going to get 100,000 views and I'm going to sail down the road and not post again personally until next month. But I do want people to see all parts of me, just not all of the time. Hopefully that helped a little bit. Yeah, Jack and I have the same problem. We get those hundred thousand likes, and it's like, what do we do with that? Shut what do we up. do with all that, all that attention that we get? Yes, views, <laughs> not likes, views. Views. Right. First of all, Michael's ridiculous. Uh, ignore half of or three quarters of what he says. Um, one oh, of the yeah. things you're going to sound like me and my husband. I love it. It's ridiculous. Um, when you're talking about building personal brands as an employee, not as the founder, not as the CEO but as an employee. Now, whether you are, you know, entry level or senior VP, you're a W-2 worker. There is or seems to be a kind of a mixed opinion on that these days. Um, we work with some CEOs who think it's great. I want all my people to have personal brands. I want them all to be really well known in the space because that benefits the company in the long run. We have some clients who are the exact opposite who say, I need to hide their light under a bushel because they will leave me. They will be stolen. Um, they will go out and start their own business. They will become my competition. So I do not want them online building their personal brands. Where do you fall on that spectrum? I fall into company B will eventually fail. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like no question, put my career on it. Company B will fail. Yes. I would also question the leadership of a company like that. Um, and you have to realize where the world is going. Right. Uh, we are not media buying anymore. Jack, you know this better than I do. I mean, you we're not doing the things that we used to do. Yep. So if you're not built, there are two things that people love when I come into a company and I never knew this. And when I started out, I was big. I didn't know anything I was doing. I was, again, falling over myself. But what I started to hear after I left a personal brand coaching session or whatever for employees, the first thing they would say is, wow, someone they're finally bringing in somebody who wants to build me. Thank you. Because I always say, regardless of where you go in life, this will help you. Please pay attention today. Even if you hate 90% of it, 10% could potentially change your trajectory. Right. The loyalty that that builds to the company from the employee that tries to build the employee and to create their gifting, find their gifting, help them with their why. The right. loyalty that it builds is um, something I, I can't put a percentage on. I've seen it myself now hundreds of times over the past two decades. Um, people appreciate when you care and give a you know what about them and build them regardless of you know if they leave or don't leave. So yeah, company B fails. Um, company A always wins. Look at the ones that are doing it well. Um, and most companies are actually getting on board with this. And it's wild. In 09, I went through a trial where I thought, shoot, I'll be broke and homeless. And then, you know, then the recession and it, the whole thing was a disaster. And I thought, 
but bye. So personal trial hits with the recession. That just my luck. This is awesome. Um, the company started a call that had never called before, in particular financial financial institutions, banks, um, accounting firms. Hey, can you help build the brand of our employees? Because whoever is left, we want them to be able to share a message just as well. Um, as we do advertising, people aren't looking at that anymore. And I was like, this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Um, and that's what's happened again as we go into this, whatever we're in, um, depending on who you talk to, recession, depression, blah, blah, blah. That's happening again. Companies are like, hey, we need branding sessions because whoever's left, we want to build that loyalty out. And if we don't, we realize other people are going to take it. I'm sorry that was a long answer, but. No, it was exactly the right answer. And I think you, you, you nailed it when you said company B will fail. And I wish more companies heard that because it kills me that they don't see the writing on the wall when it comes to building the personal brands of their employees. Yeah. But you the, miss out on loyalty. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's good. I, I just uh, to piggyback on that question, though, let's say you're in that company and you are overshadowed by the the bigger brand in the room, you know? And how do you find your space in there and get your your personal, you know what I'm saying? If, if you're on the other side of that, I mean, maybe the CEO wants it all to happen, but if I am a, a, a team member, regardless of what level I'm at, and I'm being encouraged to go and build my own thought leadership, my own personal brand, my own identity out in the world within the company as well, you know, and sometimes you can get lost in that. I think um, it's, it's hard to take, where's that first step at? Yeah, I totally get it. Um, and, and the thing is, before we started to talk about it with like personal branding, some reputation in the room was always bigger than someone else's too. It was hard then and it's harder now. The reason I do what I do, I I feel like on the days where I've helped someone, um, there's a story in the book, there's a young, a young woman who um, people thought she was rude. She was just really, really, really um, introverted. Uh, didn't know how hard she worked. The hardest worker you'll ever meet, one of the smartest people I've ever met, kind to a fault. If I needed clothes, would give me what she had on her own self. Um, and then, and nobody saw her for who she was. Always overshadowed by everybody else in the room. Always overshadowed by the people that were speaking and nobody knew what a hard worker she was. And so you build personal brand two ways. I hate when people are overshadowed and when people deserve a promotion financially, laterally by position. I, it like, it great. I can't stand it. It's why I breathe, I think. And so uh, watching her um, like fail when she should have been leading is the hardest thing ever. So two, two things you have to do within the company, you have to build brand ambassadors because sometimes people just aren't the, they're not just going to share their own story. Like it's still hard. They're introverted in particular, and that's really hard. So you have to build your own brand widely and then within small groups so that when the CEO says, what do you think of? Susan, obviously not her name. Uh, my answer is that's a gem that you're missing and you're not seeing it. And that's your fault as a leader because you've never asked her why. You never ask her what she's doing. You never see her staying till 8 p.m. at night and getting in at six because she loves what she does. Um, bad leadership. You're not watching your people. One and two, bad brand building because she's not sharing anything with anybody. So you have to build within your own circles. You have to share one on one. You have to share within your teams and groups. And that takes time. And then you absolutely on some small level, even if it kills you to do it, you know, you have to share a particular on LinkedIn. How Lawton is the CEO of Tracker Supply, amazing example. I put him in the book. Um, didn't ask his permission, but he's in the book um, because he does a great job. Um, I love Tracker Supply um, in general. It's a great company, but he, he, that's how he communicates. He's taking pictures. He's doing videos. He's talking to those people. He's liking their stuff. 
right. constantly communicating. So you at least have to be on there so leadership can find you. So build small, share small, then build online. What about the people who've taken it almost a step too far and they feel like their entire self-worth comes from engagement, likes, shares, comments. And so now it's a singular focus of, I just have to get more likes. I have to get more likes. Yeah, that's really hard. Um, it, it As a social media marketing consultant, right? My answer to that is it's never about likes. It's always about engagement. Um, and if you get caught up in that, that's just the hardest thing. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk, whether you love him or hate him, and it's either or, it's never in the middle, um, has <laughs> been saying this for years. Um, it's never about likes. It's never about anything. It's if share is greater, right? If someone shares something. And so it's really about engagement. And now it's about, you know, niche marketing. It's um, people like smaller, uh, you guys know this, smaller brand ambassadors who have a thousand people are getting paid sometimes more than people who have a million because those thousand are so engaged with that one person. So you really, it's not about how many followers, it's not about likes, it's really about how it, you engage and how people are engaging with you. And most people are um, narcissistic social media posters. They post, post, post all day long. But if you go to LinkedIn and you go to their activity, there's none. So that's the, you don't rely on anything other than the engagement piece of this. And I hate it when people get caught up in that. Um, especially the young people of the world, they get caught up in, you know, their identity being there. But Gary's message in that vein, um, I would surrender to that leadership and say, I 100% agree. It's not about that. It's about engagement. Right. I'm just glad you said uh, niche marketing because it drives me crazy when people say niche marketing. It's all over like TikTok right now. And hey, you got to find your niche. You got to find your niche. And like, okay, like both pronunciations are correct. Niche I understand that, niche. but I have a preference. I have a preference. Oh, and I, the way they're- same. Yeah. And the way they're using it, though, they're kind of a whole other subject, but they're like, you know, hey, let, let's cheat our way through the system. Let's go and and type in this thing and this chat bot and we'll find the top 10 things people are talking about that I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to steal these headlines and I'm going to generate copy on that. It's like they're 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 finding like it's there's zero authenticity in any of that. There's zero original yeah. thought. It's just about getting into that, you know, like getting people to like you so you can be a content creator and you can. But there's. That, that whole thing is terrifying to me, like where we're all heading, but that's a whole other story. Oh, I'm with you. And I agree with everything you've said. I think it is terrifying where we're heading. We won't even get into the chat. What is it? B GPT. Not, not, uh, GPT. Not doing it. Chat GPT. Yeah, yeah. No, Michael is. is obsessed with chat GPT right now. And it's downfall, not just for ad agencies and content creators, but I think America and the world last I heard. I well, no, let me just say, I don't think it adds that as much. What I think, though, is that it, it it allows, it's a shortcut. It's a cheat. Nobody has to do anything to learn. I mean, learn how to write. Learn that that it's a craft, right? And as a writer, I'm, I'm, I'm offended by it. You know, it's, it's and it's like everybody, you know, now we have access. Well, no, you go learn how to do it. I mean, I can't magically learn how to play the piano. I have to go learn how to play the piano, right? I mean, that's, a, and luckily, like, we can't fake our way through that. But now people are going to start producing bad content all over the place. And it's going to be, it's going to, it sounds pretty good, but it's, it's very uh, mediocre generic. Right. And so that's all we need more is more mediocrity and more generic content out there, you know? So we're meant to be friends, Michael. Ditto to all of it. I'm with you. I get it. It's hard. It's hard. But I think that's where the authentic brand can stand out 
the, the sad part is it is so hard as a personal brand, um, as a human being, I mean, to share that personal brand as much. I mean, it's hard to create content. It is hard. This is why people get paid a lot of money to be content creators that keep it um, authentic and real and consistent, consistent, consistent. I preach it and it's not always see. It's hard. It's so hard. Like I need to film eight videos today and they need to be real. Well, good Lord. It's not the easiest thing in the world. So if you have the ability to share authentically and to keep going, you're going to win in the long run. It's just, um, it's hard in the short run for sure. And that's not going to make it easier at all. Michael, you feel better? I do. I was, okay. I like, I like to, it's, uh, I, I, I'm finding these podcasts to be very therapeutic for me. Um, the last few people that we've talked with, they've been um, either like the last one was a really great guy and he was talking about recruiting and he was Mr. What, what does his shirt say? Was it happiness or smile or? Yeah. Happiness. Happy anyway, but he was like, he was a happy generator or something like that. He had a title for himself, but he was awesome. And I, and I loved every minute of it, but he was, I love their feeling. So like, I was like, man, I should pay you for this, this time. That's all. I love it. I don't Working think our hard podcast, to get free therapy. There it is. Well, that's the thing. I don't think our podcast is supposed to become your new therapy, but if it works, it works. It's my outlet. Well, you know, and, and I think Jack and I are great examples of, of the personal branding, you know, <laughs> examples um, of something conundrum. Well, it's because like Jackie's obviously very, um, she's the face of our company. She's very um, outgoing. I'm very introverted, very different than that. Um, I can talk for other people, but I don't do much for myself. Uh, my social media consists of, of resharing her post, you know, when she tags me, you know, that, that's just the, that, that's my, my limit, um, my bandwidth. But at the same time, I, I do it for other people and I appreciate it, understand it. But I think, um, but I think of, I'm, as we're talking, I'm thinking of people that are like me that may own a business or may run a company and things like that. And they have a hard time buying into that, even if they understand it and, and know it's important. But they're like, and I just can't, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not what I would do, you know? Yeah. It's hard because I think that at the end of the day, that's what we miss out on. Like you have a gift and you have knowledge that we don't have, and we need to know where to get it when we need it. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people are going to miss out over the next 10 years on opportunities that should have rightly been theirs. Um, companies should have come to them when, um, but they didn't know they were there. So, you you know, it's it's a hard piece to start. But that thought leadership, I think that word is so annoying, but it's so true. Um, you have something that we don't have and we need to know about it. And everybody has that gift that no one else has. And so we need to be able to share that gifting in a way where when I need what you have, I know the first person to turn to. That's It's just a tough piece. Um, and for women in particular, over the last 15 years for me in business, in businesses, and they're building their brand and companies, it is the hardest thing to get them to share sometimes um, because it feels salesy and it feels cheesy. Um, but at the end of the day, you are missing money. If you're financially minded, um, you're missing money. If you're you know, title minded and that's important to you, you're missing your title. You're missing opportunity and friendships and all the things uh, because you just aren't sharing. And that's that's really hard. So being being too cool can hurt you. Like if I just sit around and, and know that people will just find me because I'm, I'm that cool. That's probably not a good plan of action, is it? You can probably go away to failure for sure. <laughs> Literally, that's what Michael's built his entire career on that thought. <laughs> I, I, I married well, so, you know. That you did. Now, I think that's what that what you, I was kidding. First but time. what you said what, uh, was what people used to do, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's the same thing like going to a networking group and you, there are 10,000 people in the room, but you're probably going to meet five. Um, now you can post one really good piece that helps 15,000 people and it took you an hour or less. So 
you know, now it matters. I think, you know, while we were working to get to where we are, it didn't. And that's the shift for a lot of us that's really hard, in particular in a certain age group. Like for our kids, it's like, you know, they're going to have cell phones attached to their heads here shortly and it, they'll speak for them. It'll be great. But for us, that switch is just rough um, no, in the it's, beginning. But it's, it's hor- kids are horrible. I have uh, my kids constantly make fun of me because their Instagram followings are. Re- I, I launched an Instagram page <laughs> uh, uh, last couple years ago. Cause I have a lot of paintings and Jackie was like, Hey, put them up online. So I did that. And I have like a hundred <laughs> followers. I mean, it's sad. It's just sad. Cause I don't do anything on it. I don't push it. I don't, I don't post. And they're like, have, they're in the thousands. I mean, it's ridiculous how, how different that world is, you know? You're right That was crazy. And they talk oh. about nothing that's important sometimes. And it's so annoying, but here we are. Comparison mm-hmm. is the thief of joy, Michael. Don't yeah. compare yourself to others. Well, we, you know, and for us, it, it, it was a challenge, but like, you know, a couple of years ago, we, um, we decided to write a book ourselves, a co-author book. And, um, and that was, we kind of started changing on Jackie's pushing me, but it was always really, they, they didn't probably know I existed. It was kind of like a chef in the kitchen mentality. I was in the back doing, doing the work. She was in the front as a major D kind of selling and, and touching tables and all that. Right. And, um, and over time I kind of, you know, um, moved more into that, like I said, writing the book and we started doing the podcast together and things like that. And, and just accepting the world that we live in, you know, and I think that's a big part of it is accepting that, that this is the world we live in and you either get on or, or it's going to leave you behind. You got it. It's so true. And it's so hard, but it's a must. I mean, hence the do it, do it, do it, write the book and what pieces are hard for you, fix it and go. I think, you know, looking back, um, my greatest fear truly is getting to heaven and the Lord going, I had all this for you. And you just decided not to do it because you didn't share the gift that I gave you. And I just don't want to get to heaven and have that be said. But I think that's like truly my greatest fear, not dying, but getting there and going, well, well, well you did, I had all this. You didn't do any of it. Um, I do want zero regret at 90 um, in terms of that fear and just doing it. So I, I mean, I truly hope that for everybody. That's the whole reason I wrote the stinking book and hope one person liked it. <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard. No one, no one, no one wants to disappoint dad. No one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one of uh, our favorite uh, baseball coaches, who's was the coach uh, here at the University of Louisiana, uh, Go Cajuns, uh, Coach Robichaud. He used to say that uh, his biggest fear was that he would get to the pearly gates, and God would say, "I sent you six hundred boys, not to turn into baseball players, but to turn into men." He he passed away recently, but I think about that a lot. I was like, dude, I hope that conversation went well for you because it's true. You have the chance to touch so many people and help so many people. And if you don't take advantage of that, you're ruining your gift. You're wasting the gift you were given. Two thousand percent. You know what? That was I love funny. it. What's funny, though, is that what Jackie just said, what you're talking about it. And, and I don't know if anybody is listening to this or not, but if they are. Like no, Michael, we had 10,000 downloads that we just reached that anniversary. So there's at least two or three. Yeah, good, good, good. Congrats. They, Thanks. Huge. Yes. Well, if they, if they got this far, but everything that y'all are both talking about, and y'all are both two different type of people than I am, but um, not really, y'all aren't talking about business stuff. Y'all are talking about life stuff. And that's a, that's a different kind of conversation, you know, and maybe that's the point of it, right? Um, Mila, I don't know if that's the angle you come from with it, but like you haven't been hard selling anything and there's been no... You have to do this or this. It was, it's all about sharing. It's about storytelling. It's about this is like humanity stuff, right? I mean, it's a whole nother level. And if you approach it that way, it kind of changes the, the game a little bit. Right. I agree completely. I even I totally agree. Um, 
clients will say the same thing. We haven't talked about what I need to do at work at all. Um, because that's why people miss out on the greatest opportunities. It isn't that they don't know how to do their job. People don't know how good they are. And they don't know the gift that they bring to it that isn't just the job itself. And so it really always coaching for years would turn into, um, did you know that Sue doesn't know what you do? Did you know that Matt never heard that you guys love baseball, that you love this team? I mean, it's all about connecting. Most people know how to do what they do for a living. They just don't know how to share it. And that's just the, it's the hardest part. Um, I wrote about forgiveness in the book. It's not something you typically see in a business book, but after coaching, you know, 15 years, uh, that was probably one of the biggest pieces that people had communication issues about the forgiveness and the, and uh, the inability to give it at times at work. And so there's always just this hit and hit and hit with certain people. And you're like, just say, you're sorry. Like what is wrong with you? Just say, you're sorry. And you just say, okay. And move on because you're imperfect as well. Right. So the book has all the pieces, like that's in the communication chapter. Um, I'm a big Maxwell fan um, in terms of when he says to lead is to love. So I do talk about, um, it's really hard to love some people, but if you're going to lead them, you have to love them and you have to know why they do what they do or else you're a terrible leader because if you don't care where they wanna go, then you're just using them to get to where you wanna go kind of a thing. And so all those humanistic pieces are in there because that's where the greatest leaders are made, right? You know, And I don't know this, I've read hundreds of books and done as much studying as I can. And I'm not the end all be all and everything, but you know, the human side is the most important side. That's, that's the mic drop. I mean, there is nowhere to go after that. There's no follow-up question. There's no, yeah, but what about that's it? You guys are awesome. Can I come on every day? This is great. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so I, there really is no follow up for that. So I'll just have to change directions. Um, and we're going to cut this part if I'm overstepping or this isn't something you want to talk about, but okay. obviously the title of the book forged by fire, you've talked a couple of times yeah. about the challenges, um, you went through a few years ago. Is that something you're comfortable expanding on? hundred percent. Yeah. Bring it on then. Yeah, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, in 2009, the forged by fire part. I, for years, would say while I was walking through this trial, and I'll tell you all about it, um, I would say I feel like I'm on fire, and I can't find the water extinguisher, I, or the fire extinguisher. I can't find the water. I can't find anything. I'm like constant. I still sometimes feel like I'm smoking a little bit, but the fire's out. In 2009, I found out I was married in 07. We've been together forever, but in 07, married 2009, January, find out that my husband um, had committed wire and mail fraud, which by any other word is a Ponzi scheme. And so I'm building a business. I'm in the business community. Um, I'm trying to build my own brand. Right. And I'm having my first, my first child, my, I have four stepchildren who are incredible, but having my first and I find out wire and mail fraud. So fast forward 2009 to September, he gets, um, the federal judge gives him 10 years in a federal prison and to start serving a sentence like the next month. And so that means I'm having to drop him off at a federal prison, six months pregnant, um, and I'm building a brand. Now you can imagine this was during the Madoff time. So everything was times a billion. Like people are doing this all the time and you don't read about it ever, but then the timing was just what it was. And so it was quite literally everywhere. So you quickly find out who you are, who your friends are, who your friends are, 
um, and you find out what you're made of. Um, he was sentenced to 10 years, fast forward to about five. Um, he won an appeal. He never said he didn't do it. I certainly never said he didn't do it. He's, he's certainly lucky that he's still alive and I haven't run him over with my car yet. That may come later. Um, fast forward five years, the same judge vacates her own sentence, resentences, and essentially to time served because she really just hadn't heard all the facts of the story. She hears the facts, gives him the time that she believes is fair. He served and he's out. Um, we still married by the grace of God, go I, and certainly him. Um, he doesn't sleep with a knife by his pillow, but some nights he should. Uh, but we are still married and we are through it and we still work on it every single day. And I mean, the only reason we are is because we both believe in Jesus and boy, if he didn't again, it'd be tough. So building a business through that time, a lot of people were like guilty by association and other amazing people, powerful women and men said, I don't care what your husband did. We're going to get behind you and we're going to help push you forward. And if I name the people and their titles and the companies that they lead, you fall over. I mean, there were men and women in my life who just said, you're good at what you do. You have a gift and I don't care what happened. Um, And then, you know, fast forward, you know, now it's been, gosh, 10, 11, 12, 13 years um, and I've had people say, I'm really sorry. Um, This is what I thought or, hey, you know, things that you said in the meantime have changed my life. I was waiting for you to fail. I was hoping for you to fail. Um, and you didn't. And I wasn't. So when I say there's a lot of fear when you share your brand, I get it. I wrote the book, put the story in it. It's been a long time. I talked about it on stages. I keynote about it. But my God, putting it into a book was terrifying um, because you just go, well, shoot, if they didn't know, now they know. Um, And I think I always get a little more terrified because I have little ones. I have a seven-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they're not older like the older one, older kids are. They're not kids anymore. Um, And so, of course, I worry about that. And those are the pieces that still make me catch my breath. But this is how I built my brand. I might have been on fire, but again, there weren't any Nazis shooting at me in the snow. And I wasn't, uh, like my grandfather said, I got shot in the leg. I still ran six miles. (laughs) <laughs> haven't been shot in the leg. I'm still, I'm still good. I'm still alive. So that's the forged by fire part. And so I built my brand through that fire, shared the right story, the real story at the right time. And I stayed consistent. And finally the haters flipped and became appreciators. Not even a word I know, but that's how that happens. So if you stay consistent and you know who you are and you know your why and you know your core values, everyone said, why wouldn't, why don't you divorce your husband? You're nuts. My core value was, um, faith right and so right. i knew that so every time someone hit me with it i'd hit them back with god wow. he'll work it out i just need to be obedient so that was the impetus for the rest of the book holy cow yeah i, I am i have so many questions i am amazed um so how do you balance that because i hear all the time people talking about you know um we bought a company that had a bad reputation or um, we had um, a, a partner breakup that was really ugly or uh, we had to fire someone and they're out spreading bad about us around town. Those seem to pale in comparison to the fire you went through. How do you continue to build your brand when you are carrying some baggage? Or yeah, you are, me, totally. 
or yeah. having a husband that doesn't clean up the um the storage closet this like he asked about to. You. This isn't about saying, you. It'll be about you in a minute, but it's not about you fire, right now. The fire that you've been through, Jackie, the pain and tribulations just today alone. It's not about you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Every fire is different. Every fire is different. <laughs> Thank um, you. I love it. Um, it's funny. We all have our own stuff, right? Don't we? Like We all have it. Um, yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, what I learned through this more than anything is uh, when you choose your core values. So integrity <sighs> is one of my core values. A lot of banks choose that word. Obviously, they should um, not all live up to it. So when you actually pick and say, this is who I am, by God, that's who you are. And for me, you know, as you're on a different stage as an entrepreneur anyway, and then building this brand and people are like, your husband did what? You're guilty by association many times. And so I knew at some point I, cho I chose to stay married. It wasn't anything I was going back on as God was working on him. And I saw change there. I knew there was hope. And so I stayed. Um, and I knew that if I stayed, then th there was hope there. And I had to be obedient to that to see what happened. But in the meantime, people are like, wait a minute, you're who's, it, what? Right. Consistency matters. So it takes time. I, I knew that everything I did had to have integrity. Now, Lord knows I make mistakes every day, but I'm not going to lie to you. I might be direct. I might even be rude sometimes, but I'm not going to lie. Um, mm -hmm. Integrity matters. And that consistency is the most important piece. Also, coming at you with offense. If I think someone is going to say something or has a feeling, I will just say, I think what you're thinking is X. And it's right. typically pretty spot on. And then saying, is there, is there is there anything you need to hear about that? I'm happy to share the story. Um, I'm happy to talk you through it. Uh, you don't deserve it. You don't tell me. I need to know that story. But I understand mine was in the news. And so I have a different responsibility to live up to. It was a financial crime, which is, again, a different version, a different level. Um, so consistency, key. You have to be who you are and consistently be who you are. And a company who has a founder who makes a mistake or a partner who does something wrong, and if that company is to continue, play offense, share the story, share it consistently, and the rest of your life has to be lived in a way where you are constantly following your own values to a T. I mean, to a T, um, or else you'll be doubted. So when I say personal brand has to consistently be shared and lived out in the same way, whether you're at church on a soccer field or sitting in a federal prison camp, visiting your husband, your brand has to be consistent. So the sharing part and the building part through the fire, people eventually see authentic, authentic brands. People say to me now, you are the same then as you are today. Nothing's changed. And you've always been honest about everything. So it's really that transparency and like the overused word of the century is authenticity um it's and everything that you do has to be the same if i make right. a mistake people will go hmm, i didn't have a strong brand back then so i knew that i had to build brand ambassadors and a foundation and i had to be honest right hopefully that helps when things hit the news like the ftx situation does it bring you some ptsd percent. yeah oh god yeah uh, that the Chrisleys going to prison oh, yeah. through the roof. Um, I especially when a wife um, is hurt or hurting from a situation rushes me. I mean, I just because the world wants to crucify you, right? They want you gone, they want right. to throw rocks at you, stone you, they want your family to not succeed many times, and they want to judge you and they want to say you're the worst of the humanity. 
Um, and we're not all good. We're not all bad. And Christ mm -hmm. died for you just like he died for me. And a sin is a sin is a sin just has greater consequence. So all that being said, I'm the one who now, because I didn't have many people get in the mud with me, um, I did nothing wrong, but again, shunned many times. That's in, that, I mean, I wrote about that. So when people are walking through a trial or going through the mud or have a fire, whether they created it or not, the second they admit they created it and have that accountability, I'm in. I'm in and I'll stand with you in the mud and help you get through it. It's the accountability piece for me that keeps me from going, let me help you. I need you to fall. I need you to be accountable. And if my husband had said, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I would have been like, see you later. But it was a big, I, not only did I do it, I did it, did it. So I think that's the biggest piece. But PTSD through the roof. Yeah, 100% in many ways, more than that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I, well, the thing that I love about this podcast in general and you specifically is when people are able to authentically uh, and honestly tell their stories and the lessons that they learn from it, because I think there's this, people have this kind of idea that no one else has ever had it as hard as them, that their trials and yeah. tribulations are awful. And everybody else, that social media lens seems to be skating through life on ice, loving every minute of it and everything's perfect. And it's like, we've all got our shit. So yeah, I appreciate totally. you for sharing yours um, because I think we realize that nobody's got the perfect existence. Everybody's got challenges. Um, you know, we get what we can handle. Lord, no. Yeah. Challenges every single day. Yeah. Right. And it's still hard. I mean, that's the thing. It, it You know, healing takes a long time. Um, trust takes a long time. And it's... Um, we all have issues. And I think that's the greatest piece about a brand that most people don't realize. So when people say to me, brands are fake, I can't believe you build this fakeness around people. I'm going, actually, I just need you to tell me who you are so right. we can find a way to share because sharing might not be what you're good at. Right. So let's find those things out and share so that people can find you when they need you. If someone's walking through a trial, call me. I've done it. I've lived it. I've been it. I've survived it. I'm still breathing, sometimes barely, right. but I'm still here. And so now they know where to find me and I want them to do that. Um, don't miss out and share who you are. That's the whole goal of life, right? Bring people around and right. live together. No, absolutely. I thought Michael might have a deep thought. He looked like he was trying to hold on to it. Okay, good. Um, well, then I will wrap up by saying thank you. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being your authentic self. Thank you for writing Forged by Fire that I think is going to help so many people and help them continue to grow. Um, and thank you for sharing your expertise in personal brand building today, because I think it's a lesson that we all need to hear and be reminded of on a regular basis. Man, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun. You guys, you guys are the best. This is best, <laughs> best, best podcast ever. <laughs> oh, stop. Thank you. Uh, no, we enjoy it. Mostly, I just enjoy listening to other people's stories. I feel like every time I learn something um, and it helps. And so you get to take away today internal locus and external locus. See, everybody wins. Googling, learning, on it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you.